Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Cool. Hey, good morning. We're excited you're here as we are completing our series entitled, Won't You Be My Neighbor? But before we do that, I just want to jump in and I just want to... Uh, just celebrate some stuff with you guys as far as what's going on in the church. There's some amazing things that, uh, that are happening. And uh, some a little bit of our story, if you don't know, we started about five years ago. And we actually started in a temporary location, a place where we rented just on Sunday mornings. And it was at the old YWCA, the Citadel building in uh, downtown Newark. So we were there for, for two years. It was set up, tear down. We were only in there on Sundays. And we did that for two years. And then God did some amazing things, and we were able to get this building here. So in 2016, we moved into this building with some amazing orange carpet, peach-colored pews, and nasty, just good mold that had been there for a long time as far as just gunk uh, on the wall. So we scrubbed everything down, replaced some stuff, built walls, got new carpet, new chairs, made this place look amazing, and we got that in 2016. And Turns out, if you're a church, if you're two years into church, there's not a lot of banks that want to loan money out to churches within two years. So they see it as a high risk. I don't know. So uh, we uh, we actually had to get this building, and we it was owned by a private person, and uh, they actually uh, decided to do what's called a land uh, land contract with us. So we had a land contract with them in 2016, and then they gave us five years to get our own financing through a bank and and to make that happen. So um, what's amazing though is that. Two years earlier, so just this last week, we were able to actually close with our life change going into its own name with a bank out in Oregon. So it's just amazing that we're able to basically do this, and we're like a big boy church now, right? So it's just some really cool stuff that we are there, right? And what's cool is, man, that God is still doing some incredible things. And again, the building is just, it's just an avenue so we can spare the gospel, right? So we can share the love of God. But I still need some certain things. And we're, uh, if you looked at it, we actually were able to expand the parking lot. Um, there were some parking issues, so we were able to expand the parking lot. We did that last week, so that's amazing. Uh, if you look at the roof, it does need a new roof. So we're going to be getting a, a new roof in the next uh, couple, few weeks as well. Um, some exciting things just going on. And what's really amazing about this is that we never had to come to you and say, hey, we need money, we need to do this, we need a capital campaign, and roll with us, right? What's amazing is that because you guys are faithful, because of, that, because of you guys, we've been able to do all this and get this building in a, in a shape and a form where we're able to, to share the gospel. Again, this is just a building, right? We're the church, we're the church, and we all really have the responsibility to go and share the gospel with others. And God doing amazing things through us, through some of our life groups, there's amazing things happening with that. Through our Flory Park Saturday night, Saturday services, the last Saturday of every month, we've been able and continually been able to, to serve food to this community. We serve anywhere from, from 20 to 50 meals each month, um, some within the, the confines of, of just that location, but also we've been taking meals out to people as well. It's just amazing, and it's really all because of your faithfulness. So I just want to take this moment and just brag on you guys and just celebrate uh, all the things that God is doing through you. And we, we are, we are truly being neighbors to others. And this is what this series is all about. And I want to continue to talk about this and to continue to jump in and, and talk about how we can even get better at this as well. As we complete this series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? So again, the series is, is kind of a play on the, on the words from the, from the old classic show, Mr. Rogers. Again, there's a movie coming out next month on Thanksgiving. 
And it's just an incredible show that's really lasted the test of time. Like the fact they're making a movie about it is because it's lasted the test of time. And what it's, why it's lasted the test of time is because some of the principles that Mr. Rogers did. Right, he showed us how to treat people. Right? He showed us how to tend to broken people, how to view others, how to love others. And really what he's doing, he's just boiling it down to what it means to be a follower of Christ. Right? As Christians, we all have this call on us to be a good neighbor, to love others, right? to share the gospel. And really at the heart of the gospel, it's loving our neighbor. In fact, that was the big idea for this whole series. The heart of the gospel is loving your neighbor. And we've looked at both the Old Testament passages of Scripture and New Testament passages of Scripture as well that, that really showed us this. So we're going to continue. We're going to look at these one more time. So if you have your Bible, get it out. If you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to, to download the YouVersion Bible app, which is just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. That way you can read your Bible daily. And listen, we believe that you need to read your Bible every single day. It's a resource for us that we use. It's God's Word that we can actually see, listen to, hear, and apply every single day. So we challenge you to do it, right? Don't just wait till Sunday morning. But in the Bible, if you would, go to, with me to Isaiah. And we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 1, verses 17. And again, Isaiah is in the Old Testament. as part of the passage of Scripture. known as uh, the major prophets. And it's known as the major prophet really because of the amount of text that it has, right? And in Isaiah, Isaiah is uh, some Scripture that's used really regarding and, and speaking to the, the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, and uh, some prophetic words. And it really even speaks to the coming of Jesus. But it also speaks to uh, some social issues as well, which we see here in Isaiah 1.17, which says this. It says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. When we're, when we're communicating with each other, when we're dealing with each other, we need to learn to do right. Right? We need to seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. Because really what we're doing is we're taking care of those around us. Right? All, those, all those encapsulate our neighbors, right? And we're called to love our neighbor. We're called to love your neighbor. Again, Jesus says it this way in the New Testament in Luke chapter 10, verses 27. He says this, he says he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. Love God and love your neighbor, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, how we love our neighbor really shows how we're loving God. It's a way that really shows how we're loving God. It's an action that we can put into practice. And what it is, it's the heart of the gospel. It's the good news. It's the fact that God loved us so much that he gave his only son for us to live a perfect life, die on a cross, and be risen again so that we can have an eternal relationship with him. Right? That's the love that God gave us, and we are called to love him back. And then we're not only called to take that love and accept it, which again, some of us, we have a hard time accepting it, but that's the gift of grace, that's the gift of mercy, and we're supposed to give it to others as well. We're supposed to share it. Right? We're supposed to extend it to all our neighbors, which is everybody around us. And when I say everybody around us, I mean everyone. Right? We started off this series and we talked about how our neighbors are still those who, who think differently than us. Our neighbors are those that, that maybe believe differently than us. Our neighbors are those that, that maybe act differently than us, that, so that look differently than us as well. Right? It's everyone. And we talked about how we need to break those barriers. Break those barriers. And one of the barriers we talked about was racism. Right? And then we talked on and we talked about how we're called to love the orphan. How we're called to love the fatherless. And that goes in the spiritual realm as well. We're called to love the spiritually fatherless and point them back to God. Then last week, we talked about how we're called to love the poor. And we learned that the root of all poverty 
is brokenness. And today what I really want to do is I want to expand on that thought. I don't want to span, expand on that area of brokenness that, that often gets overlooked. And what it is, it's a relational brokenness. I want to talk about the lonely, and I want to talk about how we love the lonely. So let's talk a little bit about loneliness. What is loneliness? I think loneliness, it comes from a, really a lack of a support system around us. If you think about a loneliness, it, it comes from a, a lack of love, a lack of really experiencing any empathy that people give us. I think loneliness, it can happen when we don't have somebody that can listen to us, when we don't have somebody that we can share our story with. I think it, re- it really results in this lack of relationship. So here's really why we tie this into lack sweep. Loneliness is really this. It's relational poverty. Okay? Loneliness is relational poverty. Now let's just bring this into our neighbors. Think about this. Who do you think battles with loneliness? Okay, so let's just, uh, we, we might have some things in mind, but it really is kind of tricky. So let's just check this picture out and let's uh, look at who battles with loneliness. All right, as you look at that picture, it really describes everyone, right? Try to find one. I actually put a picture, diverse picture in there, right? Because the thing about loneliness is that it can happen to any of us, right? Somebody that can struggle with loneliness, it, it could be that, it could be an older person, right, that's going through some different transitions that maybe have, maybe have lost a spouse, like, so it could be a widow, right? For some of us, loneliness, it could be those that are going through and their, their kids are going to college. It could be that empty nest phase. You could experience loneliness in that, right? You could experience loneliness maybe when, uh, when you're, when you travel a lot, so you're, you're constantly by yourself. You experience loneliness maybe even, even in the middle of a marriage, maybe even in the middle of a divorce. Right? The truth is, it's all around us. It's all our neighbors. It's everybody around us. And it's all of us as well. I mean, just think about it. How many of you ever experienced loneliness? If we're honest with ourselves. Right? We all have. Chances are we all have at one point or another. We've been there. Listen, you could be sitting in a crowded room like this and still feel lonely. Right? You could be a stay-at-home mom with your kids around you all the time and still feel alone. You can work. You can work around a lot of people and not necessarily have a close single friend. You can be a college student surrounded with people in your dorms and still feel lonely. You can be a successful business leader and think you're at the top of the game, but still have this feeling of loneliness that happens. It happens to all of us. So this week as I was preparing for this message, I I sent out a message to our our directors and our our ministry directors here at the church. And I, I shot them out and said, hey, I need some sermon help. Let's just share some times where maybe you felt lonely. I want to get on the same playing field. Let us know, dude, we're all there, obviously. So everybody, we've probably been to that point before. So I shot them out a message, and uh, I just want to give you some of, the, some of the things that they said. So let me uh, just jump in, and let me just tell you, just as you can find out a little bit about us as a church with some of the first responses, right? So Travis Linder, who is our uh, facilities director, takes care of all the things going on on this building and stuff. He quickly responded and says, you know what? I feel lonely when, uh, when you, Corbin, when you don't like my Facebook post or... Like, oh, thanks, man. Or when I eat the last donut, right? <laughs> it's that feeling there. Brandon, our, our tech director, he said he feels lonely when uh, Netflix asks if he's still watching. All right, we've probably been there before. Like, yeah, I'm still watching. Quit judging me, Netflix. Like, I just want to watch the next show and have some time by myself. Come on. Right? <laughs> That's what Brandon says. Uh, Daryl says when uh, Brandon and I leave him in the dust on a trail run, which actually really doesn't happen. This actually became kind of a roast towards me. <laughs> Right, so because Julie then said, "Yeah, Corbin, I feel lonely when you when you don't say hi to me on a Sunday morning when when because it gets a little busy, or or when you forget my birthday, which apparently I've done, right?" <laughs> and then uh, DJ, our worship leader, he says he feels lonely when he when he leads worship, and he can actually tell that people are falling away from God because he let it so bad, right? or that he let the pastor play bass on a Sunday morning, or get it. So, but on a serious note, right, they they did get serious as well, and they did share some things as well. They talked about one said that. They feel lonely when they're in the crowd and don't know anybody. 
And we've been there before. Even as we said it, we can be around people and still and still feel lonely. Another person says when their spouse is traveling for work, right, or when their kids are on a trip without them. And then another person says when when they're seeking direction, or when when seeking a calling and looking for guidance in that. And that can be a lonely time. That can be a tough time. And the truth is, loneliness is real, and it's all around us. And it's in our neighborhoods. It's close to us. Right? It's in our workplaces. It's with our friends. It's in our close circle of friends. There's people that are experiencing loneliness. Right? It's in our families as well. And for some of us, we have this feeling of loneliness, which can be to the extreme, this feeling of being unwanted, right? this feeling of being unloved, being undesirable, being in, in, insignificant. Or it can be the feeling of being insecure or even abandoned. That's what loneliness is. Loneliness is relational poverty. Now let me just say this. We've all experienced it. So I will say this, that loneliness in and of itself is not necessarily always a bad thing. Right? Because we all experience it, it's a season that we go through. Right? And I think there's times where God even allows us and maybe even puts us in that season. But what he wants to do is he wants us to draw us back to him. I mean, even if you look at, you look at throughout the Bible, many of the characters in the Bible, they went through this season of loneliness. And God was intentional with it. He was using it to draw them back in. If you look at Jesus himself, he even experienced this. He experienced this before he was in the ministry, in the middle of his ministry. He experienced this, which it always drew him back to God. But what happens, though, what happens with sometimes with us and what happens with a lot of our neighbors is that we're experiencing this loneliness without going back to God. And what happens is that it leads to despair. And in this despair, it leads to desperation. And again, this desperation, it could be a good thing, could be a good thing if it leads us back to God, if we become desperate for God. But oftentimes, oftentimes we become desperate for other things. We become desperate for the wrong things. And we use this desperation to lead us to solutions. And again, solutions could be good if, we're, if it's pointing us back to, to getting help, if it's pointing us back to asking God and using the wisdom that God gives us. But too many times we look for solutions in the wrong things. We look for solutions in, in unhealthy relationships. And we look for solutions in, in addictions, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, we, we look for solutions in these addictions, something just to numb our feelings, right? We look for solutions in the wrong place. Right? We look for solutions in, in impurities, whether it's sexual impurities, anything, right? We do anything we can not to feel that despair. Right? We do anything we can. It's for some of us, it pushes us right on the line. Right? For some of us, we even have some thoughts, maybe even suicidal thoughts, all because we're looking in the wrong direction. And what's sad is a lot of our neighbors, this is where they find themselves. This is a lot of where people live each and every day. And really, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic that's growing as well. In fact, CBS News had, had an article, and they were talking about the, the different generations. They were talking about Generation Z, so Gen Z, which is the actual this, the generation after the millennials, so those that are about 22 years old and younger. They say that Gen Z, they're on pace to be the loneliest generation ever. They're on pace to go through these struggles by themselves. They're on pace to go through and, and live life without community. Right, to live life without relationships. It's an epidemic. And again, it can be attributed to many things. If you think about the, the, it's a breakdown, of the, the breakdown of the family structure. If you think about it, the, the family today, it's not necessarily like it used to be. Right? It's not like it was 100 years ago. It's not like it was 75 years ago. Now again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what happens is, is, is rather than using that and pulling people closer together, a lot of people are using it to push each other away. To, to push the relationship and, and allow the relationship to be broken. To allow there to be tension in these relationships. And because of that, there's a lot of people that feel this loneliness. Another reason could be just the increased mobility in our culture. So it's easy to move from one place to the next. Right? I mean, 
We can work, a lot of us, we can work anywhere, right? So we could pick up, we can leave Newark. Some of you guys, we can? <laughs> no, Newark's amazing. But no, some of, we can leave, right? And we can go live somewhere else. In fact, there's a lot of people that they're very transient. They can just move from one place to the next. And what happens is they never stay long enough to actually build that community. And people are missing that community. And because of that, this loneliness it occurs. It's becoming this epidemic. And for some of us, it's the workload. Again, we can, we can work from home. We can work anywhere. That's a great thing. But that's also a terrible thing. Right? We can work from home. We can work anywhere. Which means for some of us, we never shut work off. Which means we're great producers. Like we are rock stars. We're getting a lot of stuff done. But as that happens, there's more and more and more expected. There's more and more stress. So we can isolate ourselves and get lost in work. And what happens is we become lonely. The rise of social media is one too. You think about it. We feel connected. We got Facebook friends all over the place. So you got people following us on Instagram. It's amazing. They liked us. So it's a high five right there. But listen, you're never face to face with them. That line of communication, it's, it's never face to face. It never goes deeper than, than that surface level. And for some of us, man, that's where a lot of people are. They're feeling this and they're living in this area of loneliness because of it. Now, here's what I know. The causes don't necessarily matter. The solution matters. So today I want to spend some time talking about really the solution to this. I want us to understand that that loneliness, it's relational poverty, and it can only be combated with love. Loneliness is relational poverty, and it can only be combated with love. Because love does some amazing things. Love through community does some amazing things. I mean, think about it. We've probably experienced it before. There's times we've probably gone through a hard time, a hard situation, where we Maybe we were blessed enough where we were lucky enough to have a family member or a family that was close-knit that we were able to, to go through, and they showed us love in a hard time. And because of it, you can now call yourself an overcomer because you've gone through it. Right? For some of us, maybe it's been our friends. For some of us, maybe we've been in a workplace, in the work environment, where we had people rally around us when we go through something. And what that is, it's, it's love, and it can conquer everything. It can conquer all. And for some of us, maybe even in this church, you've experienced some cool things, like that through your life group, that through the team that you're serving with, that, that people have rallied around with you in that time, in that time of trouble, all because of love. Love can do some amazing things. Love can conquer this relational poverty. So what I want to do is I want to just talk about how we love. How we love the lonely. And really, I think it starts, it starts with changing the way we view people. It starts with changing our heart. It starts with changing even how we pray. So I want to encourage you just to, to, to pray a dangerous prayer this week. Pray this prayer that you view people differently. Pray a prayer that you view people the way God views people. Right? It's a scary prayer. It'll, it, it can break you, right? But I want to challenge you. Pray this prayer that, that you, start seeing, you start seeing people, not just on the outside, but you start seeing people on the inside where God sees them as well. And then begin to know that where they're at, that way you can love them in an incredible way. And you can meet them and be the neighbor to them that they need even in their loneliness. Right? So let me give you three opportunities and three areas that we need to pray for. One is this. We need to, to love with touch. Now, let me put a huge disclaimer on this, right? Huge disclaimer, just so we know what time, what kind of time period we're living in here, right? We have to love with touch, but we have to love with the appropriate touch, right? Appropriate touch. Everybody say that, appropriate touch. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but if you think about love, love, loving with touch, and touch, it can be calming, right? It can be securing, it can be very comforting, but it can be the exact opposite as well, especially when it's unwelcome. Right? So touch can't be forced, Right? It can't be imposed on somebody. Right? So just understand that. That's the disclaimer. We love with touch, but we understand that it has to be welcomed. It has to be invited. Right? We don't want to be part of the hashtag anything. Right? So just get there. 
So understanding that, though, we need to understand there's times where we do. We do need to love with touch. And it's natural, right? It's natural. The world understands this. I mean, think about it. In moments of despair, and in moments of sadness, in moments of fear, you see people, what do they do? They hug each other. They put their arms around each other. They lift each other up, right? They show that they're there for each other with touch. So we need to show love with touch. We need to show love with touch. I mean, even dogs understand this. Think about it. You've had a bad day. Maybe you've gone home. Your dog can kind of sense this. Well, the dog comes and he puts his head in your lap, right? The dog comes and rests on you. It's, it's, a, it's natural, right? It's an instinct. And if you're like me and hate touch, it's an instinct that you, that you shouldn't always ignore. Right? It's an instinct that you have to pay attention sometimes. Right? We need to love the lonely with touch. And Jesus does an incredible example of, of, of leading us an example in this. And we see this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. So if you would bounce with me in Matthew chapter 8. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus has actually just finished preaching. He's just finished preaching uh, his, his Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon he preached. It was an incredible sermon that lasted for a long time, had all these people listening to him. He was probably exhausted, and he's a little different than some of us. See, when we give everything we have, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to go away, but what Jesus did is he actually connected with others. In fact, after all this was there, he comes down from the mountain, and there's somebody that needs him, and we see this right here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So we'll stop right there. Here's this guy with leprosy. And if you don't know anything about leprosy, leprosy is a nasty, nasty disease. Like it does some terrible things. If left untreated, it could kill you in like 10 years or less. So here's leprosy. And it starts, leprosy starts with fatigue and pain in the joints. Now some of you guys are thinking like, oh, that's not good. Like, you're getting on WebMD right now. Like, no, don't do that. Probably, chances are, you're just getting old. I know that's encouraging, but listen, right? But it gets worse, right? Leprosy gets worse. It goes from the the pain and the the fatigue and the joints, and then it continues with these scaly spots. Then it jumps in, and there's body, there's lumps that cover the body, lumps filled with pus. And this is gross, right? And back in those days, everybody stayed away from it, right? There was no Dr. Pimple Popper back in those days. People just stayed away, right? And then the person's face would actually change. It would change shape. Some people thought it would change shape to almost resemble a lion. But what it is is really the lumps that were expanding and making the face expand as well. And then it continues on. I know this is really great for you guys. Some, some of you guys that are like, like this stuff, you're all in. You're like, dude, this is sweet. I'm going to Google this later, right? But some of you are grossed out. But some of it would actually affect the growth of the vocal cords as well. There would be growth on the vocal cords. So it would cause a, a pain for them to talk, and it would change their voice as well. Then they would lose their hair, and then their body would really just decompose in the it had this amazing stench that came along with it, right? But think about this. All of this, it screams unclean. It screams unclean. So needless to say, people with leprosy, they didn't have much human contact. Nobody wanted to be around them, right? In fact, they would often quarantine them off into a, a different part of town or even outside of town mostly, right? And nobody would be around them. So think about this disease, right? Here's this disease that it's not only physically painful, but emotionally it's agonizing. Emotionally, it's taking you away from everybody. It's taking away from these connection pieces. Right? Socially, socially, it's excruciating. Socially, it's breaking every connection that you had with somebody. It's taking you outside your circles and putting you off. It's putting you off in a whole distance. Right? A person with, with leprosy would be extremely lonely. They'd be in physical pain and have nobody to help. So then they would lead to this emotional and social pain as well. They didn't have this support system. But check out what Jesus does in verse 3. Verse 3 says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. You look at it, Jesus touched the man. Right? Jesus showed him love 
through physical touch. Now, this is pretty crazy. Again, people didn't touch people with leprosy. I'm talking like no one. Like doctors didn't touch them. Priests didn't touch them. In fact, they weren't even allowed really near the temple. So the fact that Jesus did this, this was a big deal. And if you think about it, Jesus didn't have to do this. I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about. Jesus didn't have to touch this man. Jesus had healed people before by just praying for him. Jesus had healed people before by just walking by him. Jesus had healed people before by just sending a messenger and say, let them know that they're healed, right? Jesus didn't have to touch them. Why do you think he did? See, the leper needed healing, not just from the disease. He needed healing not just physically, but emotionally and socially as well. He needed someone. He needed someone to help him in his loneliness. He needed someone to love him in his loneliness. And it happened through touch. Jesus showed him love through touch. See, there's something, there's something about a loving touch that can change everything. That continues on, and it shows this in verse 4. It says, then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus told him to go back to the priest and present himself, really because this man was now clean. Really, this would restore this guy. This would restore this man in leprosy, restore him socially, restore him and, and how he was. And so he was healing him in a different way. He once again was acceptable. Jesus was saying, go back in the priest and show yourself acceptable to break the brokenness that he had, to break the relational poverty that he was in. All through love, all through touch. Love with touch, love with appropriate touch. Think about it. How can you love the lonely this Maybe there's somebody, maybe there's somebody in your life that, that's like this leper, that everybody keeps at a distance, that everybody pushes off to the side, that nobody really connects with them. So I want to challenge you. This week, show them love. And show them love with touch, right? I think about it. Maybe there's somebody that you need to give a side hug to this week. A side hug is just this. Right? Safe, appropriate. Right? Maybe you need to maybe you need to give a fist bump to somebody. Maybe you need to give a high five to somebody. Right? But I challenge you, who is it? Who's that person that you need to love with touch? Maybe for you, maybe it's a coworker. And maybe they could just use a pat on the back, the upper back, but pat on the back, right? And I challenge you to do it. Maybe for you, maybe it's with your family, right? Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe they could just use a hug. Maybe for you, maybe it's your spouse. Listen, you could be in a marriage right now where you feel completely lonely. And the way to cure that is through touch. Love through touch. And listen, in the marriage, the appropriate touch goes at a different level. So I'm just saying, you heard it from your pastor. But love with touch, right? Love with touch. Number two is to love by listening. Love by listening. Now, there's no disclaimer on this one. But if we're honest with ourselves, this one's a little more difficult. Love with listening. And here's why. The word listen has the same letters as the word silent. Mind blown, right? No. This... For some of us, though, it's hard to be silent. Like, if you're anything like me, it's hard to be silent. Even it's hard to sit in a moment of silence. Sometimes that's awkward. We want to talk. We want to say something, right? It's tough for us just to stand back and sometimes just be there. But sometimes we just need to love by listening and just be there. See, I think too many times we want to give advice. We want to give the quick fix. But to love the lonely... We have to listen to truly listen. We have to listen, not just to respond, not just to reply, but we have to listen to understand. We have to listen with the goal, with the win, with the end game, 
with the end game of actually being empathetic, right? of placing ourselves in their situations, placing ourselves in their shoes, and understanding what they're going through. See, I think poor listening, the listening that many times what we're accustomed to, it diminishes the person. Right? And I think for the most part, sometimes when people are sharing with somebody something with you, they don't want a quick fix. They just want to be heard. They want to be understood. And good listening, and listening to understand, it invites the person in. And invites the lonely. And invites the lonely to exist. And invites the lonely, and it shows them that they matter. See, good listening is really, it's an act of love. And it's sound instruction from Scripture as well. James, the brother of Jesus, says it this way in James 1.19. says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. The truth is, I think many of us, we operate in the, other, in the opposite way. We're pretty quick to speak, but we're slow to listen. But to love the lonely, we have to be, we have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And here's how we do it. We ask questions, and then we get curious to hear the whole answer. We ask questions, and instead of trailing off, thinking about what we're going to say next, Instead of thinking about our next question to make ourselves look good, we get curious and we stay curious and we listen to the whole story. Right? We listen to the whole scenario. We focus on being interested, not just interested. So ask some good questions. One thing we can do is just ask open-ended questions. Right? Don't ask questions that, that they can just simply answer with a yes or no. And a great starter is just tell me your story. Right? Tell me what you're going through. Tell me what's happening. Right? Start with that and then be quiet. Right? Listen. Lean in a little bit. Ask them to share more. Tell me more about that. Really, tell me more about that. Dig in and then lean in and listen. Right? Pay attention. Don't be looking on your phone. Right? Don't be looking around the room like, oh, squirrel. No, lean in and listen. Get connected. Get curious and listen. Listen to understand. This not only shows love, but really it's the wise thing to do. Right? When we live out this, we're living out wisdom. We're living out, living and, and putting relationships together and, and walking through relationships with wisdom. In fact, Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Fools delight in airing their own opinions. I think a lot of us, we have our opinions out there, and nobody ever even asks. So there's a lot of stuff out there that nobody even cares about. And there's a lot of us that we're living a foolish life because of it. What if we, what if we just sat back, right? What if we found pleasure in understanding? That's the wise thing to do. Proverbs 18, 13 says, the answer before listening, that's folly and shame. Let's slow down and listen. Think about it. Do you need to listen better? Are there people around you? Are there people that are lonely and they remain lonely because you don't listen? That's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this week to listen. In your marriage right now, this week, Instead of trying to fix the problem, listen. If your spouse comes to you with an issue, maybe they're trying to vent. Listen, our marriages should be the safest place. They should be the safest place for us to vent, for us to, to share things. Instead of just giving them the quick fix, what if we actually listened? What if we we're empathetic? What if we slowed down? We said, you know what you should do is this. You don't need to do anything else. What if you just said, you know what I'm here for? Yeah, I hear that. That sounds tough. I get it. I'm telling you, that will fix some marriages. That'll fix some relationships. It will change some things. Right? What if with your kids, what if you listened to them? What if, if you want more respect from your kids, 
What if you slowed down and showed them respect by listening? What if you modeled what it looked like to them? Listen, that could change some of our parenting. Right? What if with your friends, instead of thinking about the next statement, instead of thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to say, this is going to get them good, they're going to walk away with this, they're going to feel great. What if we just slow down and we listen? With your coworkers, what if you listen to understand? Think about it. Is there somebody in your life that you need to be a better listener? I want to challenge you this week, identify them. Listen, if it's already in your head right now, write their name down, and then every time you see them, get intentional. Get intentional about listening. As you're going to have to stop yourself. Listen, we're, a lot of us are probably fixers by nature, so we're going to have to bite our tongue, but intentionally do it. Right? It's amazing what it can do for relationships. Amazing. It's amazing what love can do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book Life Together, says this about listening as an act of love. It says, just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. So that's an amazing quote, not only because it's a truth bomb, but because you get to use the word brethren in it, right? Love with listening. And when we love, let's point others back to God as well. Right? Point others back to God with this love. Number three is to love with time. Now this one's interesting, right? Time's a very interesting concept. Think about it. Time is probably one of the biggest excuses that we use to get out of things. Right? You think, oh, I'm too busy for that. I can't fit that in. I don't have enough time for that. But here's the crazy thing about time. Time is the one thing that every single one of us in this room, every single one of us around us that we have in common. I mean, if you look around, we've probably come from different backgrounds, right? There's probably a little bit of a different belief system that we've grown up. There's a little bit of a different foundation. There's different thoughts and processes of things of how we think we should do things, right? We, if you look around, there's different, there's probably different economic backgrounds, right? Everybody's paycheck is probably different, right? There's differences that we do. We do different things with our money. But the truth is we all have the exact same amount of time. Right? We each have seven days in a week. We each have 24 hours in a day. Right? We each have 60 minutes in an hour. And we each have 60 seconds in a minute. Right? If you think about it, that's what we have. If you have something differently, guess what? You are wrong. That's just the way it is. But how we utilize the time makes the difference. For some of us to be good neighbors, we just need to utilize our time. For some of us to make a difference in others' lives, for some of us to, to love the lonely, we need to be more generous with our time. For some of us to live the gospel out, it really just comes down to being better, to being better at time management. Because love takes time. Love requires time. So love with time. If you look at it, Jesus was amazing at this. Right? Jesus was incredible at this. And it wasn't because he had more time than us. Right? It wasn't because he, had, he didn't have anything to do either. It wasn't like Jesus was just laying around saying like, oh, let's... Let's go hang out and do something cool for God today. No, he had a plan, right? He had a purpose. He was, he was always going from somewhere to the next place, right? He was always doing something. But what was amazing about Jesus, he was never rushed. Right? He was never too busy or he was never out of time to show love to others, right? Even in the middle of his preaching, he stopped to show love to a paralyzed man. In fact, you see this in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. I want to go over this, but you can mark this down and read this later this week. But in this, in this story, you see that Jesus is in the middle of preaching. And then he has some friends. He has somebody that's coming in. They have a, a paralyzed guy who has some friends that lower him down from the roof. And Jesus didn't even get distracted. He didn't get angry. He didn't get upset about it. Instead, what he does is he takes some time and he goes and hears this paralyzed man. Listen, that's some crazy stuff. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's nuts for me. If I'm up here preaching and, like, I see a squirrel or if I hear the door goes, like, I get distracted real easy, right? But Jesus is like, oh, there's a man coming down. I right, we'll just slow this down a little bit. Let's go heal this guy. Let's go show him some love. 
Like, that's crazy. This is Jesus. He was never rushed. He always had time for others, even in his daily routine, right? In Luke 8, 22 through 25, you see that Jesus is woken up from sleep to go show love to his disciples. In fact, his disciples, they were on a boat. Jesus is taking his time. He's resting. He's sleeping. His disciples are on the boat, and all of a sudden, a storm comes, and they become scared. They become panicked. They become feeling like they're completely alone, like they're going to die in this. So what do they do? They wake up Jesus. And instead of really getting super mad, Jesus comes up, says, hey, you guys should have had more faith, but I'll go ahead and calm this storm. Right? Listen, if you wake me up in the middle of the night, I'm not going to be too giving of that time. I'm going to be a little angry. But Jesus, it didn't, it didn't bother him. Right? Even in the middle of his prayer time, he continued to do this. In Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39, it says that Jesus left his prayer time, a time that you would think would be the most sacred time. Right? This is the time with his, with his father. This is a time where you think that'd be like, hey, hang a note on the door. Do not disturb Jesus in this time. He's hanging out with God, right? But no, they disturb him. They interrupt him. And he says, yeah, okay, I'll go preach. These people need to hear the good news. These, these people need to experience love. They need to hear about the love of the father, that God loved him so much that he gave me, and that, that God's going to do some amazing things so that he can have a relationship with him eternally. That's who Jesus was. I want to challenge you to love with time. Right? Love with time. Maybe again, maybe it goes back to your spouse. Maybe your spouse is your neighbor that, that's, that God's speaking to you right now. Maybe you haven't made time for them. Right? Maybe you had not made time for your family. Right? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make time for them. Schedule them and put them in on your calendar. And so for my wife, Sarah and I, we go on a date uh, once every seven days. Sometimes it's a, it's a date that's squeezed in. It might be a 45-minute lunch. But we put it on our calendar. We say, hey, you free today? Yeah, yeah. Put it on your calendar. That way nothing else can edge it out. That way nothing can take it. Somebody calls me up and says, hey, are you busy? Yeah, I got an appointment. I've got a date with my wife because i got to do it every seven days. Right? I get to do it every seven days. Let me clarify that. Right? <laughs> but make time for it. Right? Even with your kids, put the things that are important. Our kids and our family should be the most important. We need to put it on our calendar. We need to make sure that we have this scheduled for them. Right, maybe it's for church. Put church on your calendar. I schedule it in. What's crazy is that we have church every week and we have multiple opportunities, right? And it happens every Saturday at 6. It happens every Sunday at 9. Every Sunday at 10.30. There's no change in it, right? It shouldn't be a surprise. Oh, we had church. I totally missed it. No, put it on your calendar. It happens every week. Hey, maybe for you, maybe for you is to, to schedule time and show love to others by being more, more consistent with your attendance. Again, we say this before. Maybe you don't need to be here. Maybe somebody else needs you, right? Maybe there's a relationship that can happen in the back while you're eating coffee in drinking coffee and eating donuts that, that can change something. We've seen it before, right? But you've got to be consistent with it. You've got to make time for it. Right? Maybe it's jumping in a life group, going a little deeper. Right? Maybe it's serving on a serve team and serving alongside going with other people, right? I challenge you to jump in and do it. Maybe for you, maybe, it's a, maybe you need to make time for that friend, for that person that maybe you've lost contact with. Maybe this week you need to schedule some coffee or, or schedule some lunch and, and go actually have a meaningful conversation with somebody. Maybe you need to do a hobby together. For me, face-to-face -to -face, face -face time is always kind of, I'm probably weak at it. I like shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time. Most guys kind of do. But I like to do stuff with somebody. I like to go for a run with somebody. I like to go for a bike ride with somebody. Like, that's how I connect with them. Maybe for you, maybe you need to go just do a hobby with somebody. Put some shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time with them. Right? Let them know that they're valued. Let them know that they're cared about by spending time with them. I want to challenge you. I challenge you to love with time. Loneliness is relational poverty, and it can only be combated with love. So today I want to challenge you to love with touch, appropriate touch, love by listening, and love with time. And if you're here today and you're lonely, I want to let you know that you're loved. If you're here today and you're lonely, I want to let you know that it could be a season where God's just trying to draw you back to him. 
to Him. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to realize that lonely itself is not bad, but I want to challenge you to let it drive you back to God. Let it drive you back to His promises and rest on those promises. In Isaiah 41.10, God says this. He says, don't you be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Listen, if you're here today and you're in a place where you feel completely lonely, I want you to rest on this promise that God says, do not be afraid, for he is with you. Do not be dismayed, for he is your God. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you. Rest on his promise and know that his promise has become true through his son, Jesus Christ. His promise has already been through through His Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for you. Being resurrected for you so that you could experience So as we close, I want to challenge you, if you're here today and you're in a place of loneliness, I want to allow it to, to, to draw you back to God. Maybe for you, maybe for you, your first step is to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. To make a commitment and accept this promise as true through Him. So if you're here today and that's you, I want to challenge you to take out the connection card and the seat back in front of you. And on that, there's a place that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. Check mark that box. Check mark that box and then believe that God loved you so much that he gave his son for you. And receive Jesus as your Lord. Receive his forgiveness of your sin. Receive the fact that he was not only healed on a cross, but he was resurrected so that you could have a relationship with God. So that you never have to be alone. Maybe here today. And that's you. Checkmark that box. Maybe here today, maybe God's asking you to do something. Maybe God's asking you to be a better neighbor. Maybe he's asking you to, to love with appropriate touch. Maybe he's asking you to, to love by listening. Maybe he's asking you to, to love with time. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you to write it down. Maybe there's even a person that's in your mind. Write them down. And I want to partner with you. I'll be praying for you this week as you put that into action. There's also a place for prayer requests as well. So if you would, take this moment to fill that out. And then Daryl will be up in just a moment with the next steps. listening to the Life Change Church podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.